Now I don't want to oversell it, but this will change your life. My people, welcome, Stulenium Radio, Jonathan Stewart. Today I want to talk to you about investing and the sure thing. I mean, why go with anything else when you can be certain? So today that's what we'll do. We are going to find the 100% lead pipe lock. I don't think you need anything special for this one. Just put it in your ears and enjoy the ride. Alright, so you ready? Should be fun. It's time to talk about the sure thing. My friends, this is sort of a special episode for me. Because today, I'm going to be talking about my general philosophy of investing. So here's the deal. From time to time, people ask me for investment advice. And when I say from time to time, I mean that every day of my life, someone calls me, emails me, or comes by my office to say that their great aunt from Poughkeepsie left them a few thousand dollars and they want to know what I would do with the money. So today, I'm going to talk about the sure thing, the lead pipe lock, Stewart's stock picking slam dunk. Now, it is important to point out that life is uncertain. There are a lot of risks out there in almost everything we do. Sometimes we are certain that one thing is going to happen, but it doesn't always work out that way. A classic example of this is the 1948 presidential election. Thomas Dewey was leading Harry S. Truman by a very wide margin in all the polls. In fact, one pollster became so bored with surveying people about such a lopsided race that he just decided to call it. His name was Elmo Roper, and toward the beginning of September he said, My whole inclination is to predict the election of Thomas E. Dewey by a heavy margin and devote my time and efforts to other things. So he did. Even the night of the election, the Chicago Daily Tribune newspaper believed Dewey would win, and so they ran the famous headline, Dewey Beats Truman. Now, the problem was that when they counted all the votes, Truman won the election. I guess that's why they have an election in the first place, huh? To see which candidate receives the most votes. Another classic sure thing was Super Bowl 42 between the New England Patriots and the New York Giants. The Patriots entered the game with a perfect 18-0 record. Their quarterback, Tom Brady, was the league MVP, and this was their fourth Super Bowl appearance in seven years. And on top of that, they had won each of the previous three appearances. Now, honestly, the Giants had been on a roll themselves, but they were a wildcard team, and the Patriots were 12-point favorites entering the game. Clearly, the Patriots were the sure thing. Oh, except for the fact that the Giants won 17-14. to 
and the Patriots' perfect 19-0 season ended up at the oh-so-close 18-1. Mmm, that hurts. But I guess that's why they actually play the games, huh? Well, those examples didn't work out the way I intended. Maybe I should stay with something in the finance area. Oh, I've got one. Qualcomm. Remember 1999? The tech boom was in full swing, and there were several stocks that were absolute sure things. Qualcomm was one of those. In January of 1999, you could have purchased Qualcomm for a split-adjusted $3.20 per share. By the end of 1999, it was selling for almost $100 per share. That translates to a return of more than 2,600%. That means $1,000 invested at the beginning of the year would have been worth more than $27,000. Woo! Very nice. I mean, even if you were late to the party, you could still have purchased Qualcomm for $47 per share at the beginning of December and almost double your money in one month. Yeah, as the price approached $100, you'd think, excellent. Now that's a sure thing. How can you go wrong there? Well, one thing that could go wrong is if Qualcomm traded down to $20 per share in 2001. Mmm. Yeah, that happened. So buying the sure thing at $47 didn't seem so strong in 2001. In fact, the price didn't crack $47 again until 2006. And as I record this episode, the price is at $48.50. Nine years is a long time to wait for a $1.50 per share, hmm? Maybe Qualcomm wasn't the sure thing after all. Well, that's why you're here, right? You want the sure thing. So that's what I'm going to give you. Stewart's Stock Picking Slam Dunk. The Lead Pipe Lock. So that's what we'll do in the next segment. Take a deep breath and get ready for the sure thing. All right, the sure thing. Are you ready? Well, I'm almost ready, but first I want to tell you a story. Now, this may sound made up, but this is a true story. When I was five years old, I went to half-day kindergarten. My teacher was Mrs. Valdez, and I was in her morning class. One day after school, I went over to play with one of my friends, Guy Neal. We were playing outside, and Guy Neal said he wanted to show me a whistle that his dad had made for him out of a 22 caliber shell that had previously been fired. He'd blow across the top of the empty shell, and it would whistle. He said it was really cool, and I was going to love it. Now, the problem was that he couldn't find the whistle. He looked everywhere, but no luck. It was nowhere to be found. So he decided that we were going to make new whistles. He went and found two brand new 22 shells, one for me and one for him. Then he found a hammer for himself, and he was looking for a hammer for me. He couldn't find one, and 
I started to lose interest. So I headed over to the swing set while Guy Neal made his whistle. Now the plan as I understood it was for him to lightly tap the lead slug until it fell out of the casing. And then he could dump the gunpowder out and voila, a new whistle. I made my way to the swings. I heard Guy Neal working on his whistle by tapping the bullet between the hammer and the sidewalk. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, blam! The bullet fired. I swung around and saw smoke and blood. Clearly, Guy Neal had tapped the wrong part of the bullet. The bullet had fired and shot him in the arm. It broke his arm and hit an artery along the way. So why would I tell you this story? Oh, come on, it's a great story. It had to be told. But, but why now? Well, because it's my belief that a lot of people want to be stock pickers. They want to take their retirement savings or that $2,000 that their great aunt left them and they want to pick a sure thing and become millionaires, preferably within the next six months. Beautiful. And that happens sometimes. But honestly, my belief and my concern is that for most individual investors, stock picking with your retirement savings is a lot like tapping on a 22 shell with a hammer. It might seem like the right thing to do at the time. I mean, what could go wrong, right? But the fact is that without a proper strategy and understanding of the risks you face, it can be a dangerous game. Pop quiz. I'm going to call out the name of five companies and you tell me what they all have in common. American Airlines, Krispy Kreme Donuts, Circuit City, Six Flags, and Martha Stewart. No relation. What did these five companies all have in common? Take a few seconds to think about it, and I'll come back with the answer. So what do you say? What do those five companies have in common? Well, if you said that they each saw their stock price decline by at least 50% in 2007, then you were right. I could have also added E-Trade, Coldwater Creek, Vonage, Nautilus, Wet Seal, JetBlue, and several others that you are familiar with to that list. If you owned any of these companies at the beginning of 2007, then you lost at least half of your value by the end of the year. Now, if you read the Wall Street Journal or watch financial news on TV, you might have known that each of these companies struggled in 2007. But did you know it in 2006, before the hammer fell? Hmm, that's the problem, isn't it? So what's the solution? Well, my philosophy is that investing is not like swinging for a home run on every pitch. It's like building a wall, brick by brick. You do a little more work each paycheck, and protecting what you've already done is the first priority. My sense from consulting, reading survey results, 
and talking to individual investors is that most people who start stock picking for the first time make several dangerous mistakes. They don't diversify much, if any, and this leads them to take on more risks than they realize. I'm going to talk about diversification in my next episode, so for now, I'll just say the obvious. When you put all your eggs in one basket, you are taking a huge risk. Furthermore, in many cases, people are going into the markets with a lack of experience and trading with and against people who have tons of experience. That's a dangerous position to be in. And if you are not careful, the fact is that the stock market will take your money. Now, I'm not saying that you should go bury your money in a mason jar in the backyard. I think that smart and safe investing is the best way for most people to accumulate wealth and achieve their financial goals. But for most people, individual stock picking is probably not the most logical choice. An index fund or well-managed no-load mutual fund is probably a much better choice. They provide low-cost diversification and they allow you to build something over time, brick by brick. A little bit from each paycheck. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So why do I ever talk about tools for analyzing investments when I don't think that most people should be using them? Well, that's my job. I'm teaching and training women and men who aspire to be mutual fund and hedge fund managers. They want to be investment analysts and personal financial planners, and they need to know these things. So what about the individual investor who wants to buy and sell individual stocks? Some people just want to keep up with and be in the market. To them, I'd say, that's fine if that's what you want to do. I surely don't want to dampen anyone's spirits, but only invest as much as you are comfortable with losing. If a sudden downturn in a few stocks is going to mean that you can't retire when you want to, you are probably taking on too much risk. I guess one of the reasons I felt compelled to do this episode is that I want you to understand the risks now, while you can still do something about it, as opposed to when you've been retired for 10 years and you start realizing that you didn't accumulate as much as you needed to meet your goals. Most people are probably better off doing three things. First, hire a financial advisor. Second, set some clear financial goals. And third, Follow the advisor's strategy for achieving those goals. Back to my kindergarten story. Ultimately, Guy Neal was fine, but I think that the reason that things went badly that day for him is that he thought he had a whistle in his hand when he really had a bullet. If you want to pick stocks with your own personal funds, that's your prerogative. I'd just encourage you to start off small. Don't fire your financial advisor and interrupt all your retirement plans so you can manage all of your own money. Stay with your plan and only stock pick with money that you can afford to lose. Then work hard, study hard, and hopefully you do really well. But either way, your retirement plan and your financial future are still intact. Well, I've run a little long today, so it's time to call it. I hope this helps you get a sense of how I look at investing and investment education. I'll come back with more on diversification next time. 
Hey, I really appreciate you tuning in to Stulanium Radio. I hope that you'll subscribe to my podcast on the iTunes Music Store and tell your friends about Stulanium Radio. If you have any questions, requests, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to me, stulinium at gmail.com. And check out my website, stulinium.com. Until next time, Jonathan Stewart, Stulinium Radio.